Welcome to the game. It's a beautiful thing. With Mark Duffy. By golly gosh. The son of a darkened shearer and a self-described ball-playing jack of all trades. We shouldn't be surprised, should we? Who lit up footy fields in the southwest before becoming WA's preeminent AFL scribe. My goodness. And Glenn Quarterman. Proud Victorian parked permanently in the West who would have played 300 AFL games if not for his incredibly small hands. Goodness gracious me! Together they are Duff, Duff and Quarters. You know who? And this is your favourite footy, footy podcast. It's unbelievable! Yes, welcome everybody to the second edition this week of the Duff and Quarters podcast. It is Thursday, it is a pre-derby edition and we are, as always, brought to you by TabTouch. Those with the touch, you can better your bet. Download TabTouch today. Please gamble responsibly. Please call the Gambler's Helpline on 1-800-858-858 if you encounter any difficulties. By golly gosh, Quarters, how are you mate? I'm good. I look at these Western Derbies. Obviously, this is a big weekend for WA footy. Uh, derby number 55. Every time we cover a derby and the total adds up, a total accrues. Isn't that an I American th- thing? I think to myself, how did we get to this number? Oh, I just It seems like yesterday we were at Derby 1. I remember Derby 1. I remember it um, very well. I was in the Melbourne. Mother's Day Massacre. Yeah, I was in Melbourne at the time, based in Melbourne. I remember exactly where I watched it. And, uh, yes, it was. Full of hope when Peter Miller kicked the first goal um, to the western end of the, the stadium, into the kicked it into the uh, three-tier stand, set shot from not far out, and then uh, they All just... All hell broke loose. He just belted the living suitcase out. Yes, I think Wooshie was running around having a lot of fun. Uh, having a lot to say and uh, putting himself about. A he was bit, putting himself about. Uh, I just remember the lead-up being huge over here because it was, a, it was unique... And the anticipation and free OV West Coast supporters and uh, and I just remember the flatness of the second half and and it was to become known as the Mother's Day massacre for good reason um, and both teams have got on a bit of a run but um, and West Coast just recently but free have strung a couple in a row and uh, West Coast plus ten overall. But plus think- ten, yeah. The interesting thing to put that into context, they won the first nine. Yeah. So, so- since. Pretty much the turn of the century. It's been a pretty even. The, the regretful thing about our derby rivalry is that our teams have really been on the same place in the premiership clock. And so, therefore, they tend to go on runs. So, I think Freo won seven in a row, then West Coast won a couple, then Freo won five or six in a row, then West Coast won 11 in a row. So, it feels like there's not much of a rivalry. Overall, it since the turn of the century, it works out fairly even. But it feels like there's these periods of utter dominance that one team... Yeah, um, why is that? Why are they not both in the premiership clock? And you look at... Um, well, clubs aren't, aren't Adelaide. They? You're looking at in South Australia. Has it been often Adelaide and Port Adelaide have been in the... I reckon probably a little bit more often. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they've probably been um, about the place at the same time a, a little bit more often. Um, our clubs have gone into 
one club's been going into rebuild as the other club's been coming out of rebuild. So, and and you know what, that might be happening again now. So, um, yeah, that's a shame. Hopefully, um, West Coast give a really good account of themselves on Saturday night. So, West Coast know Willie Rioli. Um, he's been to the Tiwis for his father, Willie Senior's funeral. Josh Kennedy obviously has retired. Tim Kelly failed in his bid to have that one match back ban overturned. Frio, we know there's no Tabana, but looks like things are building well for Frio in terms of availability. We see um, Joy Amos has made a great recovery uh, from that kidney injury. Uh, similarly, Sam Switkowski after that back injury. And we see photos of Nat Fife uh, the um, West Australian this morning looking athletic and ready. He's not playing this week, but we sh- expect him to come back next week. Uh, so it's all so the piece of the puzzle for Freo is the forward line, isn't mm. it? It's basically, we know their attack is really good, probably second best, uh, sorry, the, we know their defence is very good, probably second best defence in the AFL. Um, their midfield is solid, uh, will get better with age, I think. There's a, it's a it's still, even with Mundy in there, it's still a very young midfield. And they've got Erasmus and Johnson waiting in the wings to come in there. So that's all good. Um, just... How do the pieces of the puzzle fit together in attack? Well, we know we want Switkowski in that forward line, don't we? Well, he's their best small forward mm. now. So, um, and he's their X factor small forward. Regardless of what you say about Michael Frederick, about Lockie Schultz, Switkowski can turn nothing into a half chance and can turn a half chance into a goal. Lockie won the last Glendening Allen medal. He did. Yeah, yeah. He's look. He's a very honest player, Lockie Schultz. But there's a bit of there's a bit of the wizard to the Box Hill boy. Mm. Sammy Switkowski and uh, rated elite in the preseason by Champion Data, and we saw glimpses this year before his injury of why. So we all had a bit of a giggle about that, but then as you watch them play, and you watch what he can do, you know, around a half chance, and what he can do when the opposition has the ball, you see why he's rated that highly. Um, yeah, no, he's a very good player. It, there's a couple of fascinating um, narratives to this. So West Coast farewells a champion last week. Um, he goes off on a great note, even though they didn't win the game. You know, they played strongly, competed strongly. He kicks eight. Um, Six-day break. It's traditional when a guy plays his last game like that, you know, you have a bit of a celebration. So it's going to be interesting to see how they come Lost up. Lost their best midfielder this year, Tim yeah, Kelly. Yeah, Timmy Kelly. So it's going to be interesting to see Rioli a big out. They've yeah. got to find eight goals, um, plus the eight goals that didn't get West Coast over the line against Adelaide. And Frio, with that, as we said, that attack that needs work, um, but a couple of rounds to go. And um, I'm fascinated to see what they do. I'm actually fascinated to see what a lot of teams do next week, Duff, with the uh, bye the following week. I was looking at it today, and you think about it with Geelong, for example. Dangerfield coming in this week. Players a bit sore. In the past, you'd rest them in round 23. Of course, the bye was brought in to uh, address that. But if you're Geelong and you're thinking of resting any, or if you're any club really, uh, particularly Geelong though, at the pointy end, if you rest players next week, you could be playing one game in five weeks. Yeah, no, they can't. And don't forget, they've got Gold Coast this week, West Coast next week. Also, Frio could do with a bit of percentage as well, as we they try and get edge their way into that four if results fall their way. So they're going to be going full ball this week and next when they go to Canberra to play GWS. Uh, look, if you're Frio, you just pin the ears back now. Yeah. You know, David Mundy spoke after the game last week against the Western Bulldogs, was interviewed on the ground. He said, hopefully there's five more wins to come. That's how Freo has to treat this. You know, like, just tick them off. And, and make sure you tick this one off. Because there is no top four 
if they don't get the four points this one. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to make top four anyway, but at the back of their mind, they'll be thinking, we can still make the top four. Well, there is no top four if they don't win this. So, you know, um, Justin Longmuir has already had to scold his team once this year for getting ahead of themselves. Don't get ahead of yourselves ahead of this one. The other part of the narrative for this one, apart from David Mundy's potentially his last game in front of the Freo faithful. Well, it's his last derby, for yeah. sure. Um, is the wet. Mm. So, now, what is the forecast? Well, it's the, the forecasting rain. So, you know, we talk about a lot of people are tipping a one-sided derby, but there, there is no indication yet this year that Freo has much aptitude for playing in no. the wet. So let's see how that goes as well. Let's see how the weather goes. Let's see how that goes. Um, so, yeah, fascinating. Um, a derby is always a big event around town. Um, it would be great to get both teams in the same place in terms of capability at the same time. Then we could really feel excited about the derby. We've been there a couple of times. 2000, between 2002 and 2007, most of the times the teams were quite comparable. Briefly, I reckon, in 2011, 2012, again, mm-hmm. and briefly in 2015. But there's been big breaks in between where one team's been up and one so team's been $1.11 Freo, $6.25 West Coast. You reckon that's about right? Probably depending on the weather. Yeah, depending. I would on think the if the if it absolutely if there's a deluge, then probably six twenty five. That's overs. Yeah, yeah. J- just because of Frio's record in the wet. Mm, so I agree. Um, Patrick Cripps goes back to the tribunal, the appeals tribunal, to get uh, to try and get his two week ban overturned. I thought he was half a chance the other night, um, and wrote a comment piece on it, basically saying, viewed in isolation, there's nothing wrong with the Cripps verdict. Viewed against Willy Rioli uh, in round one on Matt Rowell, it's impossible to believe that both verdicts are right. One of them has to be wrong. On what grounds can they win the appeal? Obviously, there is a clause in the AFL rules about attempting to spoil. If it's a legit, if you can prove it's a legitimate attempt to spoil, which we which, which we think it was, but then there's also the duty of care. Well, see, I would argue that this, I would argue that Cripps is less culpable than Rioli. Rioli's was a marking contest. In a marking contest, there is, and I'm not even sure how this is written in the rules, but there is this implied responsibility that the player contesting the ball will either be trying to mark or trying to spoil, not trying to bump. Now, I know that there was no malice in the Willie thing on Matt Rowell, but at the end of the day, he turns himself in midair and bumps because he realises he's not going to get there for the mark, and he gets off. Now, this is not a marking contest. Now, if Cripps had left the ground and jumped to bump, then he is damned and they shouldn't even bother. But he leaves the ground to contest the ball and then realises there's a body in the way and turns himself to protect himself. He doesn't even get his arm all the way back in quarters. That's how late he realises that there's going to be contact. He's allowed to jump at the ball. And also, given that it's not a marking contest, I reckon there's greater scope for him to argue, well, I just turn to protect myself. So I don't know. He's not I, without a chance. He's not, I think he's not without hope, yeah. So there's a mechanism there. The uh, Carlton's exercise it right to that mechanism, as it's incumbent on them to do so. They've got two very important games. They have to win one of them, Melbourne and Collingwood. And if they don't win one of them, they're not playing finals. Uh, we look at the midfield. There's no Kennedy. There's no Hewitt, we believe, for the rest of the year, probably, George Hewitt. So they need that big body in the midfield. So... Um, uh, this is why they're using that mechanism. They think they're a chance. Do you ever worry with these things that 
there's a lot of energy sucked out of the club in yeah, the I lead do. up to a game. That is the distraction, isn't it? It's if if the rest of the player group is spending their time sitting at home on their mobile phones, waiting for news to come through as to what's happened with the skipper, then it becomes there is something to be said for the for the club going on Tuesday night. You know what? Cripper hasn't beaten the the verdict. We're going without him. Yeah. This we is we put our do. faith in you, in your bo- in you boys. Yeah, but that sort of seems as though, oh, geez, we need you in there, or we're really not much of a chance. So let's say he doesn't beat it, and let's say they have to take on Melbourne without him. You know whose turn it is to step up, and not in a small way. Adam Chera. So Adam Chera went there on a big contract. Uh, it was a big trade. Cost him a lot. There is no George Hewitt. George Hewitt has a back injury. It's not certain that he'll play again this year. There's Sam Walsh, who has played plays at a high level every week. It is time for He's Adam. He's been playing Ch- a different role, though, Sam Walsh. It is time for Adam Chera to earn his money. Adam Chera has been, I would say, not horrible, but he's been a tad disappointing, I think, for Carlson this year. It is time for him to earn his money. Coming up against a pretty daunting midfield. Yeah, well, Adam Chair is a pretty good player. He is a good player. He's a better player than what we've seen this year. Is there an argument for a player such as Jack Silvani, who we've seen play in the ruck a bit this year, but like big body, he's got a good tank. Could he go into the midfield? Yeah, possibly. I I don't know. I, you need to, I think you need to disrupt Melbourne some, somehow. I'd be looking for run. Like, I think if we look at the way Collingwood played them last year, uh, last week, don't be safe. Don't go down the line. Get the ball off the line. Big, big responsibility on players like Doherty and Saad. Mm. Be brave. Take the game on. Um, you know, be prepared to shift the ball off the line. Get it back inside which the Which they haven't been doing, which they clearly didn't do last week. Yeah. At, at points late they did. But you could see them go into their shell. There were, there were, there were uh, opportunities to go inside and they just didn't take them. Yep. There were opportunities to go handball over the top, go deep into the forward entry and they didn't do it. They went into their shell. So they just, like we asked for Fremantle last week, maybe it's time for them to pin the ears back a bit too. Yeah, I think so. I think that's the way from the play. They've got, look, Carlton gets two shots at this. They get this week and next week. So it might be last man standing, last chance next week. But this is, you know, roll the dice, play with freedom, see what happens. Because you know that if you don't play with freedom against Melbourne, they're going to get you anyway. You know what's going to happen. What? It's clear what's going to happen. I'm going to be Nostradamus here. They're not winning this week. They're 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 playing Collingwood next week in front of a full house. 85 to 90 at the G. Carlton, Collingwood packing it out, and they beat the Pies to get in. That's what's happening next week. I'm telling you, I'm making that call now. Matty DeBoer. What a great career. Yes, cool. yep. 32 years of age. He's played 223 games. He's played 85 for GWS five or six years after moving on from Fremantle mm. when Fremantle thought he was done, had reached his use by date. So this is a great career, and this bloke is a great football person. He is, and you know what um, signifies that is 2010-2011, uh, the Best Clubman Award at Frio. 2017, the Giants Coach Award at GWS, which is the year they made the grand final. So he's been a great player. 224 ga- 223 games. Uh, it'll be 224 this weekend. Over 14 seasons. That's that's a marvellous career. You know what I think about Matt DeBoer? I'm not sure what he wants to do or which area he wants to head in in retirement. To me, he looks like a coach. He's a coach. 
He's a coach. And he fits that bill, doesn't he, of coaches that have been, they've had to work really hard against all odds to forge a career. Justin Longmuir was one. Tom Hafey was one. Um, there have been a couple of exceptions, but um, Mick Moldhouse was one. Um, Alistair Clarkson was one. You know, they, they make the great coaches, and he just seems to me to be that, to fit that bill. Yeah, no, he's a coach. I, if he wants to be a coach, he's a coach. A, a guy like Matt DeBoy, you never know. He might have he might feel like he's left it all out there as a player and he wants to go and do something else. That wouldn't surprise me in the slightest either. But if Matt DeBoer wants to coach, I would imagine there'll be a queue of clubs who want Matt DeBoer at their club. As an assistant and then see where you go from there, yeah. Yeah, no, he's, um, he's an intelligent person. Um, he's a very measured person, has enormous character. Uh, he's a strong person. He's not a person that takes backward steps. There is just no red flag to him that says he won't be a coach. You'll need a kicking coach, though, because he's never been a great kicker. <laughs> <laughs> the Waffle Grand Final. We have a venue, Duff. Yeah, leadable. So, the, look, I like this. This is a bold call. Now, the big qualification we have to put on this is that surface. Uh, uh, they need to get the surface right. They've got four weeks to get the surface right. Uh, they've employed an independent turf expert to have a look at that surface. So the final game there is this weekend. Then they've got... Clear. Yeah, I wouldn't be playing a final game there this weekend, yeah. to be honest. I, I believe they were, but anyway, uh, that may not happen um, now that it's been announced. But uh, look, I agree with you. The venue, um, the surrounding area is great. The bids were strong. Fremantle's was very, very strong. The um, Bassendine Oval, very, very strong. Steel Blue, sorry. Um, uh, Mandurah's was ruled out. Capacity wasn't requ- uh, what was it's required. It's about 8,000, yeah. yeah. And June Lutt was reasonable too. But I think it came down to those two in reality. Yeah. And, um, you know, the precinct really ticks the boxes for a Waffle Grand Final, doesn't That's it? That's the thing. I, I think in terms of entertainment precinct, you're looking at Fremantle or Leadable. They're the two that have the, the bells and whistles around the ground that would make it a great occasion and a memorable occasion for fans. Um, to be able to go somewhere before the game, to be able to go for the game and then spill into the surrounding areas after And here's the a challenge for the uh, shopkeepers, the owners around the Leaderville area. Let's go back to the 70s, 80s, 90s. Let's dress up your shop fronts. Let's make it a real genuine waffle grand final on the day. I like that. Get some streamers out and about, get some balloons out and about. Well, the way the ladder is at the moment, there's a chance of the old red and the blue being there. Yep. Quarters, the old home team from, my, Le- from Leaderville. My boys, the Sharks. I was talking about West Perth. I know, but I'm just saying, don't discount the Sharks. Um, Haven't East Romantle had a remarkable year? When you look at, they lose Tom Joyce, Luke Stranatica, Bryn Teekle to AFL duty, oh, and Hugh Dixon to AFL duties before the start of the year, and they're still in the in the mix to be in the grand. Been building. It's been a build. Yeah, but um, been a hell of a build. Yeah, let's hope so. You need two <clears throat> traditionally powerful clubs playing off. You know the one, um, the one premiership matchup that will really make them kick themselves that it's not at Optus, don't you? Derby yeah. Grand Final. A Derby Grand Final. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, if it's South Fremantle v East Fremantle, they will wish to hell they could could have yeah. played it at Optus. Yeah, it just can't be done. I know the cricket commitments. <clears throat> and I look at and and it is disappointing, but. The stadium's built for – it's not just a, an AFL. It's just not a um, an Australian rules venue. Oh, no, I, I think this is a case of they took a risk in shifting it back into October to get the clear air 
to get attention post the AFL Grand Final. And that's blown up in their face because of the cricket, the change in the... Yeah, the change of the cricket fixturing. And that was, you know, unlucky for them as well. Had they played it in the normal Waffle Grand Final time slot, they probably could have squeezed it in and probably got the pitches in and got them bettered down in time to play the the, the one-day international. So I I think this is... They rolled the dice and it's, um, it's blown up on them. Let's pick some winners. Uh, before we pick some winners, Ben Cunnington. Yes. His comeback. So it's 90% sure that certain that he'll play this weekend. Two bouts of testicular cancer. We saw him play in the VFL last weekend. Uh, it was great scenes, actually. I watched the, the highlights of, the, uh, of that game and uh, the opening bounce, and everyone was rallying around him, the op- opposition and his teammates. But as soon as the ball was... Uh, bounced uh, his opponent gave him a big shove and it was on but it was good to see him out there getting that left hand working to his uh, outside players and um, he is the talisman for that football club has been for a long time to a lesser extent Jack Zebel, but I think he is the one really who drive he's the the good driver in heavy traffic for them well he's the one that still plays in the middle isn't he yeah. Jack, Jack Zebel plays yeah. at either end now so it's hard for him to be in and around the ball at the coalface and um, you're right the big body the one that um other midfielders are reluctant to run into, shall we say, and uh, the younger players can play around. We it. haven't got to that game yet, but I almost, I almost thought, I almost thought about tipping them this week. St Kilda versus Brisbane quarters. Uh, Brisbane are a dollar fifty-seven. St Kilda two dollars forty. This is absolute, absolute must win for the Saints. Can they do it? What about Brisbane? Yeah, it's important for Brisbane. I don't think the Saints can. The only caveat I'll put on it is. What has happened to Harris Andrews? Has he is he sore? Hasn't been the same player for a couple of years now. Yeah, is he sore? Just doesn't look like he's got the same physical intensity on his opponent. I say this because obviously he's got a good opponent he'll be playing on this week. Max King. Yeah, yeah. so that could be the key to it. But just just yeah, it's just something's happened there in his game. It's quite a bit off. He was kind of hot and cold last year. And yeah, you're right. He's been, he's gone from. I used to have Harris Andrews in my top fifteen, in my top fifty, and and he was often the highest ranked power defender, and he's just not at that level. He's not even close anymore. So um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Maybe he's carrying something. Um, yeah, maybe he's just low on confidence. Maybe teams have worked out better ways to play him. Yeah, it doesn't seem so. It just seems the second and third efforts aren't quite there with the intensity that they were in the past, but. Um, I'm going to pick Brisbane in this game. Um, I'm not convinced, but uh, you know my thoughts of St Kilda. Uh, look, it's been... I don't know what to make of their year, to be honest. It seems like they're just treading... They're in the same spot they started. In the meaty part of mediocrity. Yeah, exactly. As the man with small hands like to say. Mm. I'm going to tip Brisbane. I think um, you're right. St Kilda has to win, but... It's at Marvel. It means a fair bit to Brisbane as well. But For Brisbane to finish top four, they've pretty much got to win in, so... Uh, a big game for the Lions, who have been around the place for a few years now and haven't really got to the end of September. So um, high stakes indeed. And the way Brisbane played last weekend against Carlton suggests they have the sniff of September in their nostrils. They were up for it last weekend. So. Mm, well, they want to be up for it. Yeah, well, you'd expect them to be up for it. Western Bulldogs versus the GWS Giants. Western Bulldogs $1.16. The Giants are $5.30. Uh, what say you, Glenn? What say I? Say the Western Bulldogs. We just spoke about Harris Andrews and Max King. Here I'm looking at um, Aaron Norton and Sam Taylor. He's had a pretty good year against Sam Taylor. So these guys came through in the same 
18 team. Obviously, Sam a product of Swan Districts and Aaron a product of Peel Thunder. So Sam's more like the player that Harris Andrews was. Yeah, good player, Sammy Taylor. Very good player. So it'll be tough going out there for Aaron Norton. Um, but look, I don't think the hot and cold. Last week they were they were um, okay. Fremantle was really good last week, so no shame in that. But I'm going to pick them. Uh, a lot to play for still. Outside chance of squeezing into the eight. Uh, Still a good chance of squeezing into the eight. Yeah, well, if Carlton lose both games. Yeah. Richmond's not going to. The Dogs. Yep. The Dogs for me. Adelaide versus North Melbourne. Adelaide are $1.16. North Melbourne are $5.30. It is in Adelaide, the city of churches. Um, We mentioned Ben Cunnington played. The the Crows... uh, Reasonably impressive last weekend against... Well, they got the job done against a team... With a fair bit to play for in terms of Josh Kennedy's fair. Well, Josh Kennedy kicks eight goals and they still get the job done. What I liked about them was West Coast were coming and they held up, they put the arm out, didn't they? Yep. They said, nah, not today, sorry. And um, we, we saw Fogarty three goals in the last quarter. Uh, look, I was pretty critical of Adelaide about a month ago and I think they've been they've improved uh, beyond what I expected they could this year. Heading in the right direction now, uh, possibly with some, uh, if you hear the cackle, possibly with some players heading back. Maybe Isaac Rankine might be headed back to SA, maybe. Yeah, if I was Isaac, I'd be staying put. I think where he's playing is playing finals next mm. year. So uh, I'm not sure that... I hope he doesn't because of the caveat empor um, line trotted out by Adelaide, which, by the way, was tantamount to draft tampering at the time, in my opinion, but they seem to get away with it scot-free. But, you know, don't take Lacosius, don't take Rankine, they'll be headed back here. Didn't like it. So I hope he stays with them as well. I think there's been too much of an exodus from Gold Coast over the years. I'm going to pick Adelaide in this game, despite the fact Ben Cunnington is playing for North Melbourne. North Melbourne have been okay in recent weeks, and um, I think he will definitely give them something, Ben Cunnington. Yep. Um, I think Ben Cunnington will give them something, but I think Adelaide gets the job done here. At Adelaide Oval too. Builds a bit of uh, momentum into the um, into the end of the season, and like you, I hope Rankine stays put. Um, I think that uh, Adelaide needs to keep building, not just uh, buy in. All right, let's move on. Quarters, what's the next game? Gold Coast v Geelong at Metricon Stadium. Now, given your Metricon theory this year, Geelong, you'd expect to beat West Coast at home in the final round. They're four points clear, and they've got a very, very impressive percentage. I think it's a bit of a danger game for the Cats, this one. Banana peel. Yeah, it could be a banana... Well, it's is it a banana peel? I don't think a loss here is... All Probably doesn't hurt them. Doesn't really hurt Geelong on the eve of the finals. I'm going to pick Geelong, by the way, but I just reckon this is a watch this space game. I think Gold Coast will give themselves a chance of a huge upset here. So Geelong are a dollar twenty-five. Gold Coast to three dollars ninety-five. I reckon it's worth an investment on that three ninety. It's a bit overs. Yeah, Geelong. Uh, so Gold Coast very competitive against Melbourne, very competitive against Collingwood. Beat Carlton. Beat Fremantle. That's pretty good form. Had a good comeback against Hawthorne last week. Hawthorne was well in control of that game. And Gold Coast probably weren't going to win but flew the flag in the last quarter. So I, I was impressed with that. They're a different side now, Gold Coast. They are definitely headed in the right direction. I expect them to play finals next year. Particularly uh, if Ben King, King gets back. And, and 
Yeah, and you and I were saying a few weeks ago, we've said it repeatedly, you know, this is not the time to plant the flag in the ground and say, look, we had a pretty good year. Let's concentrate on finals next year. Finish the season full of running and confidence. And a win against Geelong at home would do that. Yeah, I agree. I think... um um, if Gold Coast gets what they should get out of the back end of this season, they're in a position to pop with Ben King coming back. And um, and, I, and I do hope they, they re-sign Rankin. I, I would love to see Rankin just play two or three more years at Gold Coast mm. and then make a decision on where he wants to play his footy. I don't see the Crows threatening the top eight next year. I do see Gold Coast threatening the top eight next year. And that would be – it would be something to be a part of, I think, to be a part of a, a, a pioneer player at a club like that. All right, so um, we're both on Geelong, but I think this will be close. Um, Melbourne versus Carlton. Melbourne are $1.27. Carlton are $3.80. Clearly those odds may flex a little bit if Paddy Cripps... See, I reckon that's overs. I give them more of a chance than that. I'm going to pick Melbourne. I think their forms... I thought they were funny. It sounds funny, but I... I would have taken more out of that from Melbourne point of view than a Collingwood point of view last week. I know Collingwood's pressure was fantastic, but I reckon Melbourne would stood every little bit of that pressure. Mm. It's just that the kicking was poor. It was a couple of free kicks didn't go their way that did go Collingwood's way at the in front of goal. I actually thought Melbourne didn't lose any momentum at all despite the fact they didn't get the four points last week. So I like the form they're in, and I think they win this game. Uh, I think even with Patrick Cripps, they win this game. Okay. I'm going to tip the Ds. I want to see connection between the Ds midfield and their forwards, though. I think that's gone missing. And Been uh, missing all year. Yeah. Apart from the first, say, five or six weeks. And and you know what I want from Carlton? I want some real dare. I want them to take the game on. And I want the Harry and Charlie show to crank up to full bore. Um Carlton defensively aren't at the level of other teams yet, so they've got to play their one wood here. And play it smart. I mean, you can't kick it to May. You can't kick it to Lever um, at their whim. You've got to think through um, what Melbourne are going to do to you and try and find those targets. Yep, and and Jack Silvani has to play, that means, because he gives them that third tall in attack and he gives them the chance to get the ball offline, to go somewhere or else. Or he goes up to the mid. Yeah, no, nah, I want him. I want him as the third. I, I want the. I want him as the forward ruck. I think they only play one of Pittnet and De Conning, and um, Silvani plays as the backup ruck. That's what I want. I know that's a bit of a risk because you're going against Gorn and Jackson, but I think you take that risk to get the extra mobility and get the extra target in attack. All right, uh, we're tipping Melbourne. I am. Yep. Close. Ah, oh, two, three goals. Yeah, I'm about the same. Fremantle versus West Coast. Fremantle $1.12, West Coast $6.25. David Mundy, his last home and away game at Optus Stadium. So if you're a Freo fan and you want to make sure you get another look at D Mundy, given that they need one more win to lock in a home final, this is the game for you to go and see. And it's not his last game, and it may not be his last game at Optus, but it might. So this is... Even though we knew Josh Kennedy was playing his last game this week, let's make it that sort of occasion. Let's fill the stadium and show him what we think of him because he's been in your top three players of all time. Interestingly, Duff, we call him a big game player because I think you've written this that um, you know he might not be their best player, but he's their best big game player ever. Yeah, he's only won one. 
Glendening Allen medal, which surprised me. Um, not that he hasn't performed well in those games. It's just I expected to see a few more of those. He shared that with Michael Barlow, I think, in 2013. Um, love to see him go out with a uh, Glendening Allen medal round his neck. I'm going to pick um, Frio. I'm going to pick them by about 10 goals. I know it might be wet. That might change. And I'm going to give you a Glendening Allen medal winner. I'm going to go with Jordan Clark, who I think is in a rich vein of form. And um, even though, well, let's hope he sees a fair bit of the footy. Um, he probably will at halfback anyway. So, yeah. I like the way you're thinking. I'm going to go the bloke on the other halfback flank. Hayden Young. Hayden Young. Yeah. I just think – I think it this – so I'm going to tip Fremantle, but only by 20 points. I'm factoring in wet weather and Fremantle's lack of aptitude in, the wet, in wet weather. When we talk about David Mundy being a big game player, he's a great finals player. That's his numbers. Actually, Best player in the 2013 GF for Freo? Uh, well, certainly, yeah. He was. He, Who was better? I know he he was as good as anyone. Now, because the you've. You know, Lake wins the medal, and who else played really well? Jack Gunston played really well. I mean, well. for Frio. I know, but yeah. I'm saying yeah. because they don't win the medal, you don't sit down and say he's one better than the so other. So Frio win that grand final, he probably gets the Norm Smith. Probably. It was pretty close between Fife was very good, Sandlands was very good, Mundy was very good mm. for Fremantle. I think Michael Walters was great after halftime, yeah. um, got him back into the game. So they had good players. Um, it's just um, poor kicking. Not that I haven't let go of it, Glenn. <laughs> well, well I've, I haven't let go of it either. <laughs> I know. Enjoy um, that, I think Fremantle to win, but I think 20 points, Hayden Young is my uh, Glendinning Allen medalist. Richmond versus Hawthorne. Richmond are $1.30. Hawthorne, $3.50. Um, can your boys cause an upset and uh, have a say in the makeup of the top eight? Of course Glenn. they can. I have a fear, though, of who takes Shea Bolton. Uh, probably Blake Hardwick, actually, uh, who's a very underrated player. But, look, I'm going to pick Richmond, but I think this has actually got a banana skin element to it as well. Hawthorne's got a good recent record against Richmond. I think Hawthorne's building something nice now. I think we had a period where we're actually playing more four quarters, which is great. So I think there are danger signs there for Richmond, but I, I, I think the way they're playing... The way they've shown they can come back from deficits, and Hawthorne will give you that look, I can tell you. You can be 30 points down against Hawthorne. Richmond can absolutely still win that game. So uh, I think it'll be a pretty close game. Uh, It'll be a really entertaining game, the way Sam Mitchell coaches at the moment. He sort of lets them pretty well go. So um, I think Richmond win, by, but it'll be a close game. Yeah, tipping the Tigers... Hawthorne has shown glimpses of what you want to see, haven't they? But it's been glimpses. Um, Richmond is playing for a spot in the top eight. Richmond is a hardened professional team. They are well coached. There is nothing about them that says they're going to trip over this, I don't think. Uh, I accept your um, words that Hawthorne plays well against them, but there's a lot at stake here Mm -hmm. for Richmond. So Richmond to win. Uh, Game of the round, Sydney versus Collingwood at the SCG. Sydney are $1.35. Collingwood are three dollars twenty. Um, can the pies keep it going? Three twenties overs. The only thing about Collingwood, a bit of a whisper going round. A bit of COVID. A bit of not uh, COVID, but virus. a bit of virus gone through. A bit of flu gone through the club. There has been a bad flu going Both through. Both the Melbourne. coaches and some players. Yeah. So if that's the case, we saw what happened with Geelong last year in the preliminary final. Collingwood's won all these games by close margins. It's got to end soon. I'm going to pick Sydney in this game. It's at the SCG. Um, not, it will be interesting to see how Collingwood go in the smaller ground. 
lots I like about Collingwood. It's really hard to pick holes in Collingwood this year. They have been so good. And so good to watch as well. And so good to watch from an effort point of view and a pressure point of view. So it would be hard going for Sydney. I'm really looking to see how Sydney hold up against that pressure because I think they can. It's going to be interesting to see how Collingwood style translates to the SCG, the shorter, wider SCG. They're very much a go-ahead team. Um, What does that mean? I'm not sure what it means on a shorter ground. It may mean that they run into the traffic quicker, which disrupts them a little bit. It may mean that they get closer to goal a lot more quickly, which makes them more dangerous. Yeah, but you do run into traffic quicker, don't you, with the SCG? I think that's what happens. Yeah, it's concertinaed up. Right. So, um, yeah, fascinating. I'm going to tip Sydney. Just This is a venue pick for me. It's it's there, so therefore I'm picking them. What's your, what's your tipping like with Collingwood? Oh, Mine's not, appalling. Not good. Not as bad as it is with Fremantle. I have not been able to get Fremantle over the last month or so. So I think you I think you might nail it this week, mate. <laughs> well, yeah. it'll be a turn up if I don't. Oh please. yeah, I'm not expecting it. All right, Sydney to win. I, th- I I just don't know how Collingwood translates the SCG. Essendon versus Port Adelaide. Essendon a dollar eighty. Port Adelaide two dollars and two. So the Bombers quarters your <laughs> your pick for the top four. Beaten by GWS last week. I want to see you off the yeah, long travelling like a. Come on, you're a Hawthorne man, which means what, you what? don't like Essendon. I don't. You rated them very high. I was wrong. Just I come, was, come off the long run. I was as wrong as I've seen. Give them a, a drive by, mate. It's been a pathetic year from Essendon. I think they promised a lot pre-season. I think their list is much better than they, their performance has indicated this year. I think they need to make major changes there. I don't know what. They've got some great talent on the coaching panel, but there's obviously something not... There's not. There's a work ethic that's not really there. I mean, you can look like you're working hard, but are you really? Are you running to the wrong spots when just... Look, are you really working hard enough? I don't think they have all year. I think they jag the occasional one. I'm not picking them here. I'm picking Port Adelaide. I think Port Adelaide um, have shown a hell of a lot more than... If they if Essendon had Port Adelaide's work ethic... Um, they might be close to the eight. But so I'm picking Port. Really interesting with David Kosh too this week. Um, that shooting was a, one across the bows. That was a change in temperature, wasn't mm. it? Um, so, yeah, that, that was interesting. I mean, Port, we know what's happened to Port. They started 0 and 5. And when you start 0 and 5, you need everything going for you. You need to win all the close But they ones. weren't smashed, were they? No. Look, the one that. Just and we will talk Adelaide about after the siren. Yeah, Jordan Dawson kicks the goal after the siren. If they got to one and four, then the whole thing changes. I, I'm tipping Essendon again. It's a bit of a venue tip for me. I, I don't At know Marvel. what I yeah. don't know what I'm going to get from Essendon. But I, what I would say is that I think Port Adelaide invested a lot trying to get back into contention, and they played really strong footy for a really long time. They lost a lot of close games. It didn't quite go their way. I just got the feeling that the bubble on all of that had burst late in the game against Richmond last week. So it'll be interesting to see what's left of them. And I'm not sure why David Kosh would introduce that. He's addressing that tonight, actually. So I'm fascinated by how... He shouldn't have to. But he is tonight. Because he shouldn't have said what he said before. Well, we've heard it before. Like, when you've had a coach like Ken Hinckley, who's been a very good coach over a very long period of time, don't you shut up and show him a bit more respect? If I was Ken Hinckley, I'd seriously think about just packing up and going over to GWS. Or if, North if, Melbourne? Well, or North Melbourne. 
Yeah, we I, still don't know who's where, where Clarko's going, but yeah, look, there's opportunities, there's openings there. So I mean, Koshy might got to be a little bit careful about what he wishes for. It here. just you, you've introduced something you didn't need to introduce, mm. and, and what's more, clearly there's been discussions at a very high level um, on this at Port Adelaide because the CEO did the same thing. They're all sort of like trying to walk the whole commitment to Ken Hinckley back, and. Even if you're thinking that, there's no need to say that in the public arena at this point in time. I think it makes the last two or three weeks really tough on your players, and um, and it, it just makes the last the end of a challenging season even more challenging than it had to be to me. And if you're thinking my drive-by wasn't hard enough, and I feel I'm feeling sorry for Essendon this year. You're wrong. It's time for this. <laughs> Saddle up your camel. It's time for the Thirsty Camel Mailbag. Now, Duff, I'm a little bit sad here. I've got to be honest. This is the last week we'll be handing out a 10-pack of Jack Daniels Old Number 7 Whiskey and Cola. I've got a bit of a tear in my eye here. I've become fond of this drop. I thought it was just your glasses fogging up. It is, actually. (laughs) No, thank you to Thirsty Camel. Thank you to Jack Daniels. It's a great product. We'll be giving away a final 10-pack today. But don't worry. We've got giveaways still to come. As from next week, it'll be a carton of Green Coast Lager from Stone and Wood Brewery, which is an exceptional drop, I'm told. I haven't had it yet, but I'm looking forward to tasting that one, Duff. I hope it's an exceptional drop. I can tell you right now that the Jack's old number seven is an exceptional drop. It is an exceptional drop. Um, Thank you for all your mail. Please keep them short, and please let us know if you're from the great state of Western Australia and you're able to come and pick up your prize. Uh, I'll start with this one. One from Marie. Hi, Duff and Quarters. Point for discussion. Surely a premiership is more fulfilling to a one-club player who has gone through a club's ups and downs as opposed to chasing a premiership by changing club considered in the window, e.g. Tom Lynch. Your thoughts. Also, Duff, you were discussing a tailor from Wikipen. There was Terry Taylor, number 23, for West Perth, who hailed from Cookeran, I believe. So there was Terry Taylor, there was Jeff Taylor, um, yeah, so um, maybe not the same family, I don't know, but um, certainly Jeff Taylor played at Wickerpen. I don't know whether Terry did. Wickerpen had a very rich and proud tradition of producing very good footballers for a, for a fair while there in the 60s and 70s. So. Uh, Joe writes, hi Duff and Quarters, as a rebuttal to Mark's exclamations, calls you Mark, not Duff, uh, to my second suggestion. He stated that he would give a first round and second round from the lob deal. Johnson is a second round pick. Johnson plus first round would be the same in terms of picks. Keeping in mind we have plenty of good mids already, but losing a big major, big tall ruck. Cheers, loving the pod. Keep it up. Was this Matt Johnson on the trade table? Yeah. <laughs> Matt Johnson is 192 centimetres tall, highly skilled and very athletic. That means he's David Mundy in four years' time. You don't give David Mundy away. For, Hi, Duff. A, for a ruckman. Hi, Duff and Quarters. Harris from Williton here. What are That's your th- my rebuttal of the rebuttal. How, how, what are your thoughts on how we would reduce the go-home factor? We'll throw out a few ideas to get the chat going, but would love to hear your thoughts. One, don't draft interstaters. Two, draft more overage players from state leagues and the players would be so desperate for a chance they'd never get the privilege to care about their destination. Three, draft more kids kids that went to boarding school. Four, draft more country boys. Five, identify if a player is a full-tilt private school kid who doesn't even know how to operate a washing machine and very understandably will miss mum. 
being a tad facetious with the last point, considering last week's emails about public, private v public. But thought I'd throw it in for a bit of fun. Cheers, love your work. I like that. Mm. It's a bit of fun. Um, so the I, I'm not sure whether West Coast has quite the same draft policy as Fremantle, but for a long time, Fremantle looked at a couple of things when they were drafting interstate boys. They were more likely to draft a Vic Country kid than a Vic Metro kid. And they were very keen on South Australian and Tasmanian kids. And the reason being is the go-home factor is diluted. Vic Metro kids, if they go home, they can go home and they can pick one of nine clubs that plays in their hometown. Whereas a, a, a young bloke like David Mundy, even though he might have grown up barracking for a certain team in Melbourne, he comes from Seymour. So therefore, he's not actually going home-home. Uh, it's, a, it's a really good call. Um yeah, and as far as kids that have gone to boarding school, you're right. I mean, I left home at 16 to go to boarding school. Um, and look how you turned out. Yeah, badly. Mm. Yeah. So. Hi, Duff and Quarters. Long-time listener, first-time emailer from Perth. Just wondering, are Freo going to ruin the last few years of drafting by going all in on Luke Jackson? If Lob leaves and Jackson comes in, is there any real upside for Frio, given Frio's window is opening right now and Tabiner can't be relied upon for a full season? Also, will the arrival of Jackson force Meek to look elsewhere? Could Meek cross enemy lines and join the Eagles? Kind regards, John. Good, good email. It's a good email, but if Lloyd Meek isn't playing regular AFL football by next week and next week may uh, next year, sorry, and next year may even be too late, mm. then Lloyd Meek is looking for greater opportunity somewhere else. Lloyd Meek is good enough to play AFL football. Yeah, so where does he fit in if Luke Jackson goes to Freo? Well, he doesn't, but no. he doesn't fit in anyway. Yeah, okay, yeah. I get your point. No, he needs to look elsewhere. So, you know, if I w- would imagine that in the trade scenarios Fremantle is working on to try and make the Luke Jackson trade work in their favour and not against them, I w- I w- I'd be surprised if Lloyd Meek isn't a part mm. of that. Mm. Um, I would imagine there's interest, and I would imagine that a club that needs a ruckman may pay slightly overs for a player like Lloyd Meek. Hi, gents. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Being Derby Week, the talk of the town is free OV Eagles on Saturday night and who will be victorious, earning the bragging rights. Typically, I engage with my colleagues through thought-provoking conversation and analysis. However, this time, the diehard Eagles supporters in my workplace aren't interested in the Derby and, more concerning, aren't really interested in the AFL at all this year. Usually they're very vocal and opinionated during Derby Week. So I was curious to ask if you or your listeners are having similar experiences. And if so, how can we as Frio fans better support our disengaged and disenchanted colleagues? Thanks for your help, Brent from the North. Let me just wipe the sarcasm off that. <laughs> it's, it's a fair bit of sarcasm. And I'm, look, I'm a Frio person, but just be careful, Frio fans. A mate of mine who's a, a really keen West Coast fan and I'm going back a few years to when Fremantle was having a great run in the derbies. Remember at some stage, not that long ago, Fremantle won 13 of 16 derbies played. And my mate was going home from one of those derbies on the train with his partner and got abused after Fremantle had whipped West Coast, got abused repeatedly by a Fremantle supporter. And eventually his partner stood up and said... Not naming him, but he's a pretty placid bloke, but if you don't shut up, I'm going to belt you. And basically, I don't think that Freo fans like to peddle this notion that they're better than West Coast fans. The reality is that West Coast is bigger. So there's more of everything. There's more of your rusted ons, there's more of your theatre goers, there's more of your good fans, 
there's more of your bad fans. Freo has bad fans just like West Coast does. Every club has bad Every fans. Every club has bad fans, yeah. Sam from Treby? WA, where's Treby? I don't know. Hi, guys. Could be just me, but I feel a little optimistic. Would Treby be near a tree? It, it might be. <laughs> be. Uh, could be just me, but I feel a little optimistic about West Coast future. See, we've gone to some optimism for West Coast now. The Barass. Oscar, Kelly, Darling, Jonesdown back is working and we haven't really seen Jai or Campbell potential yet. Which position do you feel they will grab with their first pick? Also, my father-in-law used to play against you and your brother, Duff. His name's Simon Kane. Simon Kane Said you were good, but your brother was better. Tongue-in-cheek in brackets. That'd be fairly accurate, I would think. Okay. And Simon Kane, I remember Simon Kane. Simon Kane was an incredibly talented footballer and cricketer and did a knee at about 15 and uh, was a absolute ripping bloke. In fact, all the Canes were ripping blokes. There's, uh, there was the Williams Canes. There was Michael, David and Peter. And there were the Narragin Canes and there was Simon. There was also John, who was in my year at school. And there was John's uh, cousin, Paul. So they were the ones I knew. There was probably others. Um, but they were terrific people probably still are most of them terrific people and uh and great sporting people i think this is this one might be just be a plague and yes my brother was definitely better <laughs> that's good of you to admit that duff both tom, of the both of them in fact tom from shelter brewing it's a plug but i'll read it out anyway because we might get a freebie on it duff um g'day duff and quarters greetings from shelter brewing co down in bustled and loving the pod once again this friday the shelter crew will be up in the big smoke putting on a few drinks at a derby preview event at the federal in frio will be a bit of footy chat and a lot of beers it uh, would be great if you could make it along for one or two. Your old pal Skeeter will be there. It's kicking off at 5.30. Well, good luck with that. And I'd uh, love to be there, but the chances are I won't be able to because I'll be working, um, unfortunately. But we will catch up at some stage. Um, hi, Duff and Quarters. Love the podcast. I'd like to talk about the Tassie team and Gill's decision to put the introduction of a 19th team to a vote of the club presidents. I believe, by the way, just to interject there, that um, he's ready to present information to the clubs uh, by the end of this month, and then they will decide from there. So Yeah, so this is interesting. You know what? <laughs> I think you and I both agree about Tasmania's moral right to have a team in the competition, do we? Do we believe they should be one? Absolutely. So, so I guess my thing is let's get this right and therefore let's not rush into it. I think there's a bit of a rush going on here. And I also would say, Quarters, in your opinion, is the AFL a business or is it a keeper of the code? I think the AFL is a keeper of the code. So if it's a keeper of the code, the AFL is – it's not the AFL's responsibility to solicit bids from Tasmania in the hope they'll get something – you know, where the Tasmanian people put in so much money that they can't say no, it's the AFL's responsibility to establish a viable team in Tasmania, is it not? It is. So let's do that and let's get that right. Well, interesting. I haven't read out the whole email here, but uh, the role of club presidents and their boards is to act in the best interests of their club. 
That is surely at odds with the introduction of another club that will get draft concessions and compete for resources. If they are acting true to their role, they can't support it. We've seen that from the Gold Coast um, reaction and other clubs. Yeah. The introduction of a Tassie team is bigger than the clubs. Its benefits are broader. It will create another 22 games a year, more TV money and a more even draw with fewer double-ups. Talent development, we, will ha- we hardly get a kid drafted from Tassie these days. We'll also benefit from a locally-based team. And, of course, it will have obvious social and economic benefits for an AFL Heartland state, something the clubs have no interest in. Provided the club doesn't become a detriment to the league, which the AFL's own Carter report has proven it won't be, then the league should support it without the consent of the clubs. Oh, and the need for a new stadium is a farce. Both Tassie stadiums are better than Subi ever was, and Launceston was good enough for the AFL to play two finals there last year. Yes, forward planning for improved stadia is needed, but not essential from the start, and it shouldn't be a requirement of the bid. Yeah, um, that bloke's getting a bit carried away. Both Tasmanian stadiums better than Subi ever was. If you put 20,000 people in Subi as opposed to the 40,000 that used to jam in there, Subi's far superior, even in its slightly aged state. Yeah, I liked Subi Echo. At the end, it was a bit old, though. It was getting old and weary, which is why it was was replaced, to get, get more people to the event. But... Oh, I did. There was something about Sue. There was a mystique about it, wasn't there? Yeah, well, it was our traditional yeah. home of footy. I mean, come on. Um, Blundstone Arena is okay. Um, Launceston Utas Stadium, that they're okay, but they're okay for twenty thousand people. Um, I, I'm. I don't like the idea of the AFL holding the Tasmanian government to ransom and saying you got to spend, you know, hundreds of million dollars on a stadium. But five hundred at last count. But having said that. The stadium has to be viable and has to create a viable team. I think there are alternatives here and they should be looked at and I think they should try and get the Tasmanians on board in looking at them. And uh, and I don't, I reckon this just has the feeling of disaster about it if we rush into it. Yeah, I want to see a team. Get there. it right rather than get it done. Well, they're going to have to give them a bit of time to do that. Yeah. Uh, no, I want a team in Tessie. From Pajamas of Inglewood. Hi, guys. Love the podcast and essential weekly listening. I feel the legacy of McLaughlin will be seen as one where the game prospered off the field through the focus on broadcasting deals and keeping football rolling through COVID. However, where the where the integrity within the game has never been lower. The goods affair, lack of action on the Adelaide Crows, the MCG Grand Final extension secret deal, open draft tampering via Archie Perkins, Victorian bias across all scheduling, decision-making awards, oh sorry, awards and selection panels, just watch the AA squad announcements, with the game becoming very difficult to umpire and almost as hard to understand from the cheap seats. I know the clubs apparently want a football person, in inverted commas, as the next CEO. However, one fears it will be another Melbourne-based appointee and it will be the same modus operandi for the next decade. I'm keen to see if you feel a senior, eminently qualified non-football person might look at the situation with fresh eyes and start sweeping the broom about. All the best. Pajamas of Inglewood. P.S. Love the women's competition but fear it's expanded too fast and the overall quality will suffer. That's a tick and a cross for Gill. Will suffer in the short term. There's no doubt about that. In the longer term, I guess we'll get more engagement, um, and we'll get to the the end game of what what the W uh, what the AFLW can be uh, quicker. Um, but I do agree, there's going to be short term teething problems with that. Um, again, we get back to this thing: is the AFL the keeper of the code or a business? If it's a business, then you can find a justification for most of what Gillan McLaughlin's done. 
if you're a keeper of the code, then it becomes a little bit different, I think. And I, I would love to hear the AFL clearly define itself. Well, I think the AFL doesn't seize itself more as a business than a keeper of the code, even though it espouses to be a keeper of the code. I reckon it sees itself whatever it suits to see itself. Yeah, possibly. So when it's dealing with governments and it wants money, it cuddles up to them and talks about all the work it does in the community and you know the benefits of this and the benefit of that. Then you get into a stadium negotiation, it turns into this rot wheeler. Um, and governments find it very difficult to negotiate from the AFL and it creates this perception that it's coming from it from a position of strength. Uh, one of the interesting things that the Tasmanian government has done is put the AFL on the back foot and basically said, this is what we want, this is what you will do, we will not compromise and you will suffer and your game will suffer in this state unless you do what we want. It's an interesting strategy. Gary from Duncraig writes, Duff and Quarters, watching from an elevated position on Sunday, I saw how Andrew Gaff forces us wide by always offering a sideways option that achieves little as he can't take the game on and isn't a penetrating kick. He was directly responsible for three of Adelaide's goals. The first two of the game due to offering an option and then dropping the mark and another through an inability to follow his man forward leading to a foggy goal. What do we do with a loyal servant on 900k that is a liability and negatively impacts our structure? I don't think he's on 900Ks, he might be on 800. Um, and I think the fact that Andrew Gaff offers a wide option doesn't mean you have to go there. That's The decision-making is in the hands of the, the bloke with the ball. Um, hopefully Andrew Gaff offers an option that is threatening enough that it gets the opposition's own defence to sag and then makes it easier for the bloke with the ball to go somewhere else. I reckon it's there's there's some validity to that in that Andrew Gaff plays his best footy when he steps outside his comfort zone and gets forward more, goes inside a little bit more, just just expands his game a little bit more. Uh, he can be more dangerous than he often is, but there are two sides to the ball going to a bad place. That is, the bloke who called for it and the bloke who kicked it there. Bill Pitts from Pemberton, Duff writes, Hi Duff and Quarters, love the pod, even more so now Quarters is using the correct West Australian vernacular for a carton of beer. Very impressed on how he seamlessly made the change and never looked back. Great stuff by the ex-Victorian. <laughs> My question is regarding the captaincy of Frio. Everyone is talking about Andrew Brayshaw being the next man in. A great player having a fantastic season and looks like he'll be around for a long time. But is Caleb Sarong a better option? By the way, his brother looked pretty good for Hawthorne last week too, by the way. Jai. Jeez, he looked good for a first game. It's terrific talent. You know, in last year's draft... When Freo ended up drafting, I think it was Eric Benning, who was their NGA guy, who they could have rookied. They were all in on Jai Sarong. Mm. So the Hawks got in. He play, He can play. Yeah, I tell the you. Hawks got in. Uh, he, I'll finish this one. He appears to be a great leader and talker out on the field. First man in to congratulate a teammate and first one in to pick a teammate off the ground. He's hard at it, genuinely passionate and well-respected amongst the players and coaches. Epitomises the Frio spirit. Feel his importance to the team is a little bit underestimated by the outside world. Would love your thoughts. I actually agree with all of that, but you've actually also just described Andrew Brayshaw <laughs> as well. <laughs> and I don't think Caleb is underestimated. I wouldn't agree with that. You're not losing either No, either way there, are you? No, really? I think Andrew Brayshaw will be the next Both captain. very good people, both very good players. And wait a year or so, um, if Alex Pierce got to run around as a skipper for a year, that wouldn't hurt either. Yeah. Uh, cheers, Olive. 
Ollie Pike from Gwellup. Hi, Duffin Quarters. Massive fan of the pod. My poop, my my pop put me onto you guys. My poop. My pop put me onto you guys earlier this year and can't drive to and from uni or work on a Thursday, Tuesday without listening in. Good on you, Ollie. I hope you're listening in now. I'm sure you are. Just a question about Darcy Tucker's role in the Bulldogs game. After a great month in the waffle, I thought Tucker's game last week was immense, using the ball well and being involved in many scores. Do you think the younger, fitter legs of Tucker, who can play wing, inside or at half forward, can for the next few years be a similar big-bodied replacement for Mundy and in the short term be a better asset than Fife as he continues to get back to fitness? I think if he plays with confidence like he did on Saturday, it could be a real asset in the three different roles he's capable of come finals time and would hate to see him dropped again with the return of Fife. He won't be dropped after last weekend. I mean, if he continues to play like that, he's in the team. So that role is really hard to play, that high half-forward role. Tucker had an impact playing that role. That's a really good email. Um, and it just shows your quarters, the value of confidence and momentum. Tucker had been outstanding for about three weeks at Peel, comes in with a head of steam up and plays accordingly at AFL level. So, Duff, is it going to Ollie Pike from Gwellup? Is it going to... Um, our John uh, talking about uh, Lloyd Meek. Is it talking? Is it going to Harris talking about the don't draft the interstaters, or is it going to Tuesday? Uh, Ewan from Les Murdy talking about the minute silence at the 16th minute for Monday, and a minute silence in the 17th minute for Josh Kennedy. Who do you think? I like the innovator. And the creator. What do you think? The clubhouse leader coming into today. So we're talking to the oh, the 16th, 17th minute? So I don't think it's going to happen. Well, but, right, let's make it happen. We've got massive influence with this podcast. But at the end of the day, I, I love it that someone thinks differently. And Let's go for it. So you have won not just a 10-pack of Jack Daniels Old Number 7 whiskey, Ewan from Les Murdy. You've won the last one we're giving away. This is an historic moment. You can be proud. Please send your details into this address. Send your mail to Duff and Quarters at wanews.com.au. There was just an extra bit of applause there for you. That's how good that email was. Standing ovation. Standing ovation. Just a sneak preview of what might happen on Saturday night. two minutes, come on, do it. Do it, fans, do it. Two great players and two great people. So if you're going to do it for anyone... Do it for those two blokes. All right, thank you very much for joining us today. As usual, we have been brought to you by TabTouch. Those with the touch, you can better your bet. Download TabTouch today. Please gamble responsibly. Please call Gambler's Help on 1800 858 858 if you encounter any difficulties. Quarters, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for your input. Always sage and wise as always. Even if you're on a diet and you're struggling a bit for enough sugar input today. Five and two day today, Duff. Yeah, very hungry. Yep, very hungry. <laughs> very grumpy. <laughs> we'll be back on Tuesday to run the ruler over the round. We hope to talk to you then. Hopefully we've tipped you a winner, and I hope your team goes well this weekend. If you're a fan of the podcast, why don't you get in touch? Send your thoughts to the Thirsty Camel mailbag at duffandquarters at wanews.com.au. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and of course, tell your mates. Thanks for listening. This has been the Duff and Quarters podcast on the game. You know who? It's unbelievable.